0: The Gospels are the accounts of the words and works of our Savior Jesus. It's there that we learn of the acts of love that mean for us forgiveness and everlasting life. Join us to study one of these Gospels, the book of Matthew. Read a chapter and then listen in as our pastors from Grace discuss the marvel of God's words to us. We hope that you listen to Jesus' words and that with us you grow. Here's another discussion on a chapter from the book of Matthew.
1: podcast listeners to another episode of Most Certainly True Podcast. I'm Pastor Brian Hockman, and I'm here with my friend and colleague, Pastor Jim Huebner. How are you today?
2: I'm fine, Pastor Hockman. Good to be with you. Another yeah. podcast and having some fun zipping along through this fabulous gospel account by Matthew. Yeah, It's really been, been fun to take a look chapter by chapter and see what's it, because each one just sort of uh, overflows with Unique and wonderful. Unique is not the right word. Wonderful sayings and teachings and uh, authoritative miracles of Jesus. It's really pretty cool. And this is no exception. We're in a, se- we're in a section, if we're going to look at chapter 13 today, um, where since chapter 11, Matthew's gathered material when Jesus has been facing growing opposition in his ministry. And... Uh, as he's unfolding that story part in chapter 11 and 12 now in 13 he brings in a grouping of parables i personally don't think these jesus is standing there in front of a crowd or his disciples and just rattling these off one by one it's not it's not parable day he could he could yeah (laughs) he could have done that maybe you know and and just like you know we, we have to assume that assume you know that these are told at different times in different places, and then they're gathered here by Matthew. I think that's the most logical assumption. That's the way I wanted to say that.
1: Yeah, um, and, and even if you look at the text, he told them another parable. He told them another parable. Yeah. One, one of them doesn't even have an intro. He just keeps talking into the next yeah. one. Yeah. So <laughs> that, that would seem to indicate... Normally there's some setting, he went over to this place and met these people and then performed this miracle or taught this for this reason. But Matthew doesn't give us any of that. It stylistically
2: fits Matthew's Hebrewistic approach. This is how a Hebrew would think, and just gather them all in a chunk, you know, these these parables, which is really cool. And we know that Jesus could tell these stories or teach them over at different times and different places. We know that because... Look at the instance of him giving us the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter six and Luke chapter eleven. Even the wording isn't identical, right you know, so which means he's teaching this model prayer more than just one time. So which is really helpful for us to keep in mind as we're looking at these, but the unbelievably cool and wonderful stories. And what do you think? Should we just sort of dive in and kind of wander through what the stories are and maybe, you can offer a comment or two the yeah, the, let's the big do that. the big one that starts it off is is just that the big one and it's explained with after a little interruption a little later in the chapter but this is the classic story about how the word of god works i just think and doesn't it go to the question that is on the minds of people over centuries and would be on you know and there's really no uh, rational way that you can explain how this works. In other words, why do some people end up in heaven and some in hell? Well, God is the one, if you're in in heaven, who did it. And if you end up in hell, it's your fault. And how connected to that is, how come the Word of God works on some people and not on others? Well, it's not the Word of God's problem. It's powerful. It's not God's problem. But we do not have the ability, human beings born as sinners, to connect ourselves to God. But we once connected that He makes the connection we do have the ability to reject it and fall away. That is a little beyond my brain power, but that's what the Bible says. You don't have the strength, ability, and power to get connected to God. You do have the ability to lose it.
1: I would always ask a little trick question in Bible yeah. information class. What awesome power do you have when it comes to um, faith in your heart? And <laughs> To reject it. That's yeah, the power it says, you have. It says, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you,
2: you have n- no power except you can reject it. Right. Yeah.
1: and that was always yeah. a, a good, it would cause people to stop and think and then gave the opportunity to, to have that teaching moment that yeah. it's not you on both sides or God on both sides. It's God who gives you the, yeah. the faith and the blessing. Um, your only power is to reject it.
2: Yeah, and we know he does that through means. Through, in other words, the good news of His love in word and sacrament. So here's the illustration story. Jesus just lays it out there. This is how it works. The seed is powerful. It works. Yeah. But if it isn't going to be producing what we normally would think, it's not the seed's problem. It's the ground problem. It's the you know.
1: And and how many times has this picture been repeated in preaching, in just dialogue, in our hymnody, uh, talking about the scattering of the seed seed, of the gospel? That's just an allusion to this parable here that's been multiplied. Over and millions over and, of and times. It's often, often Bec-
2: uh, many times, very often, well, and it's, it's wonderful. It, it's
1: so picturesque and yeah. it, it gets exactly to the heart of the point and yeah. in such an easy to understand way.
2: And the interesting thing about it, when you get to the end with the good soil, it doesn't mean that the soil was in you know, a good soil, it's like that caused the seed to sprout and grow. The seed, the, the seed is the one that, you know, makes things happen. It's just dirt. Right. <laughs> I just think that's a fun parable that Jesus tells to illustrate how his word works. But, you know, buried in, buried, and you know, woven <laughs> uh, in. Buried. Yeah, yeah there Funny. you go, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Plant- Freudian planted. Freudian yeah, right. Planted in here. Planted in here. <laughs> <laughs> woven in here <laughs> is the whole business of, you know, what is it, why does he speak in parables? And it's, you know, the quotation from the prophets um, from Isaiah about, you know, people's hearts. If they don't hear, that's their, it's on them. And so he'll use parables.
1: This is always a head scratcher for me. I, it, I can remember. I was going to say, I think it's puzzling for people. Yeah. Why didn't he just come out and say it? It sometimes? was puzzling for the
2: disciples. Yeah. He says, actually, these parables that I'm telling you as a as believers it will help you understand more the richness of my love. They will illustrate and help you. But if you're an unbeliever, they're they're going to make you even more of a, you know they're going to drive you away. It's a it's a stern preaching of God's law when He uses parables, and that that is in Scripture too, right? Law and gospel are both there.
1: Yeah, <laughs> sometimes you could read like that prophet Isaiah and and come up with the impression like Jesus was hiding the truth from people. Yeah, um, and I think it's Jesus' intention wasn't to prevent people from understanding, uh, but those that in unbelief have have chosen that path, right. have chosen to reject it. Then
2: here's the here's what you get. Yeah, this is what happens. It's kind of like Moses dealing with Pharaoh, God dealing with Pharaoh. You know, you don't want to listen. All right, you know, then now you can't. Right. You know, you're that's uh, that is that is interesting. That woven into this beautiful story of the power of God's word is this uh, proclamation, in a way, of law that that uh, those who reject. All right, now that's on you, and it's going to be even harder for you.
1: Really amazing. I didn't look up the um the psalm quote that comes up later in um in verse thirty five. I didn't look that up in Hebrew, but I thought it was interesting that even the, the psalmist is is predicting that Jesus is gonna open his mouth in parables. Yeah. So
2: and Matthew, of course, being part of his style, would be getting Old Testament scriptures
1: and quotes it here. Don't be surprised that this yeah. is what this is the way that the Messiah is going to preach. He actually <laughs> this it was is, foretold.
2: Yeah, and of course, as the parable is going to be explained later, it wedged in between. You have the the weeds parable about you know what do you do if you if you're dealing with unbelievers? Well, you can't look into hearts, you know, just wait. God will handle this in the end. Here's the harvest
1: coming. Yeah. Right. God yeah. will take care of separating the weeds from the wheat um, on the last day.
2: That doesn't mean we're not going to be concerned about those who struggle or those who either are unbelievers or they're weak in their spiritual life. We care for them. We love them. We're But, you know, finally in the end, we're not the ones to be the judge. God will be that. Right.
1: Really, don't you feel like, like Jesus is directing this towards the believers that want their life just to be a little bit easier? Like, if I could, just get, if I could just get rid of some of this bad influence, if I just didn't have to deal with yeah. the unbelievers in my life, then I feel like my my life would be a whole lot better. Uh, and to, to, I see Jesus preaching and teaching this to to those kinds of attitudes. Yeah, Jesus, how come you're not giving me this glorious and sheltered and protected <laughs> and, and blessed life? Um, after all, I'm a believer. Well. No, there's going to be the yeah. impacts of sin and unbelief and unbelievers around you. Yeah. Um, you don't get to get taken out of that and, and planted in just your little kingdom yeah. field, um, but rather there's Life be, will be messy. Yeah, there's going to be weeds and wheat. Uh, Together,
2: yeah. And on the backside of that, that, that gives us what? An outreach evangelism opportunity. If we're weeds among wheat, well, we have a chance to actually affect them. Yeah by proclaiming the love of our savior
1: and right what we th- what we think might be best or what we might want um isn't what god wants and it's yeah. not kingdom minded it's me minded right? right i want to have peace on earth i want to have <laughs> you know all this heaven and um here and now yeah. i want to be free of all of these Im- influences but jesus says no you're still in the world and in fact i've put you in the world so that you can share this gospel so that others can have what you have, the time for the separation will will come, uh, yeah. but for now there's work to do.
2: Which does make some logic then the way Matthew coordinates and brings these parables that may have been taught at different times and places, but together because there is some kind of a sequence, right? So he's talking about what's the tool we're going to be using? It's the word. Go ahead and share it, and and its results are not on you. You just have the job of sowing and then well i want my life to be easy and perfect and i don't want to deal with it no you're going to deal with it you're going to have weeds in your life and people around you who are so then well okay lord i guess i now that you know that evangelism outreach theme then we're to the next couple of parables where the kingdom does grow both externally and internally right. when the word of god is working it it you know the next couple of parables fit that with the mustard seed and right and the yeast so it grows externally and internally and that's what the word will do it's they're all linked at the power of the word of God. I think that's pretty cool. And the bottom line would be then, well, where do we then find our true joy? And that's the next couple of parables, which are rather unique to Matthew. Uh, just like the weeds parable, weeds and wheat, the ones about hidden treasure and pearl, we don't find in the other gospel writers. They're rather unique. But um, that has to do, well, okay, now how do I help anybody else or even myself? How do I end up in the kingdom of God and his sphere of love? He did it. It's all by grace. Those are beautiful little stories yeah. that Jesus puts in there.
1: Recognizing the value of it. and Yeah. Um, once it's yours, you should go to great lengths to keep it, right? You should go to great lengths to, to nurture that faith and rely on, on his power. Um, yeah. Faith should be your most precious treasure. It should be the priority in your life. C- keeping myself connected to the means of grace is far more important than... Any of the list of things that are going to show up on my yeah. uh, the, my worry list, right? Faith ought to be at the top of that, and and then yeah. um, in faith, I can cast those anxieties on Jesus. And
2: and just like the the weeds in among the wheat, so the parable of the net takes us then to the end game. There is an end, and there will be a judgment. But the great and glorious news is, you know, angels gather us into eternal joy. It's all God's wonderful doing in our life. I, that's just neat how Matthew strung together all these parables, and I'm sure our podcasters will find yeah. great benefit as you spend a little time not only just zip through the chapter and read it, but think about each parable in its own unique story and its own unique point.
1: Maybe this goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyways. Um, I think it. you look at a chapter like this where all these parables are put together and it just reinforces again how Jesus is teaching some huge truths and some, some hugely important truths and, and teaching them in such a simple and easy to understand way Yeah. that I get, you know, I've planted flowers and watched weeds grow up. I understand that. And I get that the rub, but why it's good. Um, you know, I get the, the way that a seed works and, and uh-huh. how there's different soil and, Uh, The grass grows much better in my front lawn than it does in the driveway. I I can understand that. Um, And then to have Jesus use those things that are so easily accessible and and readily understood. And then this is just like what it's like in the kingdom. And this is, um, he takes the mundane and the simple and the obvious and turns it into something with spiritual and eternal significance. profound, right. Just the master teacher uses uses that easy to understand and easy to connect to illustration. It's really a good point. To teach that important truth. And then you see it throughout the entire this entire chapter. Makes Matthew
2: thirteen so powerful and important as one of the big chapters of this book. It's really cool. You know, there is a statement though, I have to say, that it might be worth commenting on as our podcasters come across it after Jesus nearing the end of the chapter is he's asking, you know, his followers, have you understood all these things? Well, yeah. And then he had <laughs> I ex- then about that. Yeah, that's like, right. Oh, yeah? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Teach it back to me then. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, that's what his point was then he said. Therefore, every teacher of the law has been, every teacher who's been instructed about the kingdom is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storehouse new treasures as well as old. So what is he, what's, he, huh? what's he saying there, you know? Well, what he's saying is, you know, every... Everyone who's filled up—that's why he asked the question. Do you get this? You know, you're filled up, filled up by all these truths that Jesus is bringing by way of parable, and now you'll have this storehouse, and you'll be able to bubble out and uh, unload it. So that's that's really a, an interesting statement. At first
1: blush, when you come
2: across this, what's he talking about? Yeah. But yeah now,
1: guess what you're gonna be a teacher yeah <laughs> this, these are truths that you're gonna have the privilege of sharing um,
2: you know it, people sometimes have this thing you know, I know I don't know what to say or I don't it, well you do you know if you know what Jesus did for you and you know you know what your sin is and what he did about that well then every student uh, you know of scripture really is trained for work in the kingdom and uh it's just really you know the storehouse is so well stocked by the truth that Jesus gives us that you can't help Unloading it is really what he's going to bring out of his storeroom—new treasures as well as old. Then.
1: What do you think he's talking about when he says "new treasures"? I think the old is easy to understand. This yeah. is the truth that that's always been the truth. Would a new treasure be um, a way to make that relatable for a new individual, yeah. or, or bringing those old treasures into a new setting and and packaging them it's, in a, in yeah, a way? Yeah, it's that... not
2: new good news about Jesus and right. what he did, but you know you're. You have the the uh truths of what God has done, but they're they're new every morning. They're fresh for the person you're speaking to, right? Right. You know, so.
1: I see in this also like ways to apply them. You know, when I've got the friend who yeah. who, who needs some gospel encouragement that becomes new to them. It's uh, a new right? situation. <laughs> right.
2: Right? Every time you come across it. So um that's how I've understood that. That phrase has been used in our circles, in our Lutheran circles, in our Wells Lutheran circles, for different essays and things, when people are, uh, I can remember a symposium on uh, aspects of uh, the delight of gathered worship, treasures new and old, you know, so there's aspects to our worship that have been around for centuries, and especially the good news, but the new good news is still new and fresh in our hearts. It's not anything strange or unusual or different, new in that sense, but uh, it's always fresh and refreshing. Which then, you know, as as we wind up this chapter, it's a part of the chapter 11, 12, and 13 where Jesus faced opposition. And, you know, in the end, he's still teaching his followers about what it's like to live in a real world. But then facing opposition is what the chapter ends with, which... Again, Matthew not being as chronological as others. It's a reference to his being rejected from his hometown in Nazareth, but that happened at the end of year one, beginning of year two of his ministry. And chronology for Matthew, it's not the point. The point is he had to face opposition, even from people of his own hometown.
1: Sure, but it's good to have a a flag in the ground there to— yeah. to be able to kind of identify here's what here's what what matthew is talking about and to be able to put that on the timeline right um, especially as you're cross-referencing we mentioned that some of these parables were in some of the other gospel yeah and uh, some not writers right? and some not yeah so yeah. To, to be able to have how, how you're going to line these up if yep. you have the chronology of the the four gospels um.
2: we'll save it for the next uh, podcast episode but what a way to end the chapter, right? When he talks about people in Jesus' own hometown, he didn't do any miracles there because of their lack of faith. What a sad, sad commentary on the state of the people from his hometown. Yikes, you know. They had the Savior in their midst and stuff, and then...
1: It's interesting that uh, brothers get, get listed off by name. Aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, yeah. and Judas? Um, I think that speaks a little bit to the... I did question
2: yeah, I didn't know if we needed to be in this context, but maybe it's worth referencing that his brother's sisters are mentioned too, that Mary and Joseph very likely had other children. We can't prove that because we've used this before, maybe in podcasts. I know I've said it in Bible classes because the Greek word for brother or you know sister can be wide enough to include cousins, sure so you can't prove, but it's logical. Especially since you get the reaction they had, you know, they grow up with them just like fellow townspeople, and they're, well, what do you mean? We played ball with you, we, you it, know.
1: It would be awkward to say we know this guy's cousins, yeah, right, yeah. Uh, but but rather, he's talking about we know these the close relatives. We yeah. know the so it would seem the brothers in the more yeah. traditional sense is and you likely. Get, what you get the, the, the reference in
2: John's Gospel chapter seven about his brothers not believing in him. You know, then later on they came to faith. And trusting in Jesus, when the crucifixion, resurrection happens, then we have that—that that his brothers, half brothers, even our Bible writers. It's generally understood that the gospel writer, the, the gospel, writer, the letter of James and of Jude are his are our brothers, half brothers. Right? Yeah. So that's pretty neat to see. And that James mentioned here ends up being the synod president of the early church too. And that's pretty neat to see this yeah. turnaround. That's Acts, is it fifteen? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the where... synod convention. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But um, sad to see the reaction from the townspeople regard because they knew him growing up and to hear this comment. But yet everything Jesus said and did in this chapter we know is most certainly certainly true. true.
0: Thanks for joining us in our effort to read and grow through the Gospel of Matthew. We'd love to share more Jesus with you. Learn more about Grace at our website, www.gracedowntown.org. There you'll find worship times, Bible study resources, links to our digital media resources, our pastor's contact info, and a lot more about our ministry in and to downtown Milwaukee. We hope to connect you to the grace of God again soon.